Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 264. Inevitably, I get a lot of folks who are interested in taking a Royal Caribbean cruise after trying another cruise line and want to know how it compares. Likewise, some that have cruised on Royal Caribbean are curious how the competition stacks up to their cruise experience. This week, I wanted to tackle the comparison of Royal Caribbean versus Norwegian Cruise Line and share some experiences with folks who have done both. It's an in-depth look at the cruise experience on both lines and what each does well. Here we go. A topic I've been asked about to record podcasts for for a long time has been a comparison between Royal Caribbean and Norwegian. There's only one problem. I really don't know that much about Norwegian. I've been on one Norwegian cruise, and it wasn't one of their newer ships, so I really felt like I wasn't in the proper position to offer really a comparison. Certainly, you can research a lot about the two cruise lines and and offer comparison. We've done uh, comparisons here on Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast about you know, Royal Caribbean to Disney Cruise Line and to Celebrity Cruises and even to Carnival. But we haven't really broached the topic of Norwegian Cruise Line. And this week I wanted to check that one off instead. And I actually reached out to some of my friends who have cruised both cruise lines. And yes, they are still my friends regardless of that fact. And we're having them on this episode to compare and contrast their experiences on Royal Caribbean to Norwegian Cruise Line. And we'll start with no particular order. We've got Chris Sten. McDole joining us here from the great state of Rhode Island where it never snows. Welcome, Kristen. Hey, Matt. Nope, never, ever, ever snows here. Nope. It's a scientific fact. And <laughs> also joining us is Aaron Lyons from Massachusetts. Welcome, Aaron. Thank you. Go Red Sox. Oh. Boo. Oh, yes. Boo. I see I'm outnumbered in this one. All right. So we're just, we're just going to move on to uh, the comparison. And, you know, a lot of people have asked me about this. And I want to start off with – let's start off with you, Aaron. Tell us about your experience on Norwegian, uh, What cruise, how many cruises you've got on with them, and maybe some of the ships you've been on. Uh, and then obviously compare, mention also maybe your royal history as well. Okay. Um, I actually started out with uh, Norwegian about – I think about five years ago. I've been on three of those ships. I've been on a mid-life, like a mid-level one, a really big one, one of the newest ships, uh, Breakaway, and then also one of their smaller ships called the Norwegian Star. And I was really avidly into them at first. They were my first cruise line, so I enjoyed them, and then I got assimilated to Royal <laughs> later on. <laughs> I don't know why, but just wound up like that. So that's basically my history with them. Um, I've been on the suites as well as the regular interior cabins. So I have a good sense of like the smaller ships as well as the bigger ships and what they're doing. Nice. I'm pretty sure I was on the Star. That was the one that sailed out in New York at least for a little bit if it doesn't still do that. Uh, that was back in like 2012. I think It was one of those. It wasn't the newer ones. At the time, I remember the, the getaway I think was either launched or hadn't launched quite yet. So it was like, but it was in that, like, you know, the Epic was like, I think the newest ship in the fleet, but, um, certainly there's a, we'll talk more about the differences between the ships a little later on. Kristen, talk to us about your experiences between Norwegian and Royal. Yeah. So I actually have somewhat of an opposite experience than Aaron. I started with Royal, um, started with the Navigator of the Seas in 2004, Mariner of the Seas in 2006, then, um, took like a 10 year hiatus, we'll say. And went on Harmony in 2016, first time sailing as a family, 20, um, 2004 and 2006. I was 
sailing as a single early 20s, which is the complete opposite of now. <laughs> um, and then we went on the Norwegian getaway November of this past year and um, adventure in May. Nice. So certainly you've had a, a both of you have had more experience, especially with the newer ships, because I kind of feel like this is the good starting point. You know, talking about the fleet. Mm-hmm. Is it safe to say, would you guys agree with me, that there is kind of this line drawn in Norwegian's fleet where, I mean, you might even say, like, somewhere along the lines of the epic or the getaway, like, everything newer than that is kind of like the the current, what people really talk about Norwegian, and then there's the older ships in the fleet. And certainly Royal has this distinction as well, but I feel like, you know, there's very much a... Norwegian has moved a lot in, in what they've offered in some of their newer ships, and they've really kind of... Uh, gone in a completely different direction with those ships is that is that a fair observation to make yeah i i would definitely say so a lot of people when they go on these ships they compare the top three they're not talking about star or anything like that they're talking about getaway they're talking about breakaway they're talking about um epic right um and that that's totally makes sense and certainly i think uh chris i think part of the reason why you were probably drawn to try norwegian went on the getaway uh, I think I remember there was a lot of press in the Northeast because that's where she was sailing from, at least at the time. And is that kind of what got you? Because it was a different kind of a almost I hate I don't want to say it this way, but almost like a real Caribbean esque approach to Norwegian ships, where there's just a ton of activities on board, things to do, and really over the top uh, amenities. Um, actually, when we sailed on the getaway, it, um, we sailed out of Miami. Okay. So cool. I think at some point the getaway and breakaway um, switched. Because the breakaway is now out of New York. So I, yep. I think they just kind of switched them. Um, the, how we ended up on Norwegian, it was a, um, a big group, not like an organized group cruise, but a big group of people. And um, I'm not going to lie, I was pushing to try to book on a Royal Caribbean ship. And um, I was outvoted, which was fine. I was, um, I was very excited to um, try a new line. You know, I try to have an open mind about everything, whether it's cruising or elsewhere. And I had only sailed Royal Caribbean. So how do I know which one's my favorite if I don't have anything to compare it to? Um, on top of, I felt that they had, um, I don't want to say a better, but some different um, itinerary, different ports that Royal doesn't have. So um, it was kind of an, and it was a bigger ship. Also the perks um, I'm doing air quotes, not that you can see me. Um, the free <laughs> drink package, which, you know, we'll get into that later. But um, there was a, a mix of th- things. Sure, that makes total sense. I mean, I think that, you know, both cruise lines appeal to consumers in different ways. And mm-hmm. I feel like, Nor- from an observational <laughs> standpoint, I feel like Norwegian and Royal Caribbean uh, tend to be very competitive amongst each other. I think certainly cr- Carnival... Norwegian and Royal Caribbean are certainly peers in their category of the cruise industry with Disney kind of sitting on the periphery. And then you have some other cruise lines that are either, you know, way more money. You know, you got like the, the luxury cruise lines, the mega lug, you know, you got luxury like celebrity, you got mega luxury, which is like uh, silver sea. Right. And then you have, you know, some other cruise lines that are all out there. But really when you talk about mass market cruise lines, you're talking primarily in terms of market share anyway, about Royal Caribbean, Norwegian and carnival. And, Carnival has the largest market share. Royal Caribbean has the next largest market share, and Norwegian has the is is after Royal Caribbean. And I feel like the the uh, 
part of what Norwegian does, being that it's in let's say let's just call it third place market share wise, it you know it markets itself from a financial standpoint to really try to get people from you know uh, their, their attention not only with their with their ships but also with the price. Is that a is that something you've seen as well? You feel as well when you look at Norwegian? I I would say that probably in the last five years, the prices have gone up tremendously. Mm. I remember seeing the prices back in 2014, and they weren't as high as they are now. But they're trying to use some other what I call gimmicky things in terms of the price. They're always adding like a free drink package or free spa package or something like that they have a sale for free you know thing going on so i have a feeling they're doing that a lot to try to compete and they're coming up with freestyle dining which they came up with i think that was like four years ago yeah that's actually a really good freestyle i'm sorry matt no, go ahead. I think you're right about that. I mean, freestyle. I completely forgot about the freestyle dining component, which is and has been a huge home run for Norwegian. Um, if you're unaware, Norwegian uh, Norwegian has the freestyle dining. They came up with it. I don't forget how many years. I think you're right, Kristen. It was more than a couple, more than four or five years ago. I remember when Quantum of the Seas first debuted on Royal, and they announced dynamic dining, which everybody was like, "Oh, it's it's Royal's take on on freestyle dining." But freestyle dining is essentially like a uh, how do how would you explain it? It's, it's like my time dining. If you're looking at it from a real Caribbean standpoint, it's at less any of a formalized, right? Exactly. It's more less formalized. It's more of a um, dine at your own leisure um, type approach. That's really a, obviously a very thirty thousand foot view of it, but um, but that and has been like a major out, that thing. Was another um, drawing point to wanting to try them. So why, what what about it, Kristen? Let's let's talk about that. What about freestyle dining appealed to you, and what did you think of it once you actually tried it? The, I just wanted to try it just to compare. Um, I loved the traditional dining on Navigator and Mariner back in '04 and '06, and then when we, you know, fast forward ten years because I didn't cruise for ten years, and we went on Harmony, and. Um, I'm not going to lie, I was slightly disappointed by the main dining room on Harmony. Um, I think mostly because I kept, not, I shouldn't say kept comparing, but in my mind, I was thinking it was going to be just like it was back in 2004, even though I had read that, you know, everything had changed. So when um, our friends of ours and family had brought up Norwegian, I'm like, you know what, I just want to see what it is, like, try it out, never done it, see if I like it or I dislike it. Um I will say, and I love, I enjoy um, Formalay, and we love getting dressed up and everything, but I I really did enjoy the more um, laid-back, um, relaxed dress code that Norwegian has. I know that a lot of people say um, you, you can wear shorts to the dining room. It's not really enforced, but my opinion is if the rules say you don't do it, like then don't do it. That's me personally, so I would never do it. But there was one night on Norwegian where I threw some shorts on, a nice top, and like some heel sandals, and I went. To, I'm like, this is this is pretty nice to be able to <laughs> dress down a little bit. So I really did like that aspect of it. Yeah, I agree with Kristen there. The one thing uh, my boyfriend on the next cruise when we went on Norwegian, he said to me, he "Goes, do I have to bring a tux?" And I said, "No." And he goes, "Great." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is interesting how they've how they've kind of gone back and forth on that and it's i think a lot of it also has to deal with um how much wh- where you start on do you, if you start with freestyle dining 
you know, on Norwegian versus if your first dining experience on a cruise line is on Royal Caribbean in my time or traditional, I feel like it, it certainly, I don't want to say skews, but, you know, your view of the other one is going to be largely dependent. Because like you said, Chris, you have no choice, but you can't help yourself but compare it, right? It's just a, right. it's a natural thing. And what you get used to first, as someone who, like myself, I started out with, with Royal Caribbean. I mean, even started with Disney before that, but in both situations, that was traditional dining. And then when you talk about, you know, a freestyle dining approach or anything of that ilk, you know, to me, I'm like, I always like, well, not really my thing. I'm not, I like the traditional style, but I think it's also because inertia is a really powerful force that keeps you, you know, liking what you like. You don't like change. <laughs> That's right. I don't like change. <laughs> um, now, speaking of dining, though, I think we have to also talk about the specialty dining yeah. because both cruise lines do a pretty admirable job of trying to offer more than just what's included in the cruise. Yep. They both try to do that. Definitely. I, I think, um, Norwegian has just a slight edge over Royal Caribbean in terms of their complimentary dining. They have a little bit more options there, maybe like one or two restaurants over Royal Caribbean. And they have the specialty restaurants, which basically mirror Royal Caribbean in terms of stuff like that. But um, that's that's what I've noticed. But I agree, Erin. Um, I actually not only the the choices, and at least for getaway, we actually have, and I can't remember what ship it is. We have a Norwegian out of Boston to Bermuda booked for next year, um, which we haven't decided if we're going to beekeeping um for multiple reasons one timing it's like right around our wedding um but we went on the getaway which is a larger ship and Oshihans, which is one of their complimentary places matt like it was legit like amazing um we're also not big buffet people i know do not seriously don't kick me out of the group we're, we're just <laughs> not big buffet people so for us to have another sit down option but not main dining room and being able to order stuff you know breakfast lunch or dinner and it be included and it was good you know i i think we went we went there probably almost every day even if it was just for like some buffalo wings yeah um, you can go there for breakfast too yeah, as well yeah i i i loved Oshihans. um i also think their main dining room quality of food slightly above royal caribbean just just a hair and i'm now, when I say that, I'm comparing the getaway to my experience on Harmony. I'm not even looking at my my um, pre like my way back cruises. Um, I think specialty. I think they're comparable between both lines. Like if you're paying an extra thirty nine dollars a person, like it better be good regardless of what ship you're on. Is my opinion. Um, so I feel like they're kind of tied for specialty. Yeah, I think they are. But then Royal Caribbean also has, you know, their gems like Wonderland. Yeah, that and, is true. And stuff like in Central Park, 150, I hear is outstanding. So That's true. They do have yeah. those innovative ways. Yes. Makes sense. Let's move on to activities, things to do on board the ship. And as I mentioned, you know, a lot of what Royal Caribbean and, and Norwegian both been doing is really, it seems like it's been a, uh, a slug match in terms of who can, you know, outdo the other now these days with 
features on board their ships. You know, Norwegian Bliss has the go-karts and, you know, Symphony of the Seas. Obviously, they're adding the Broadway shows and the amazing entertainment on board. And it's, you know, it's, um, you know, there, there really is a tit-for-tat kind of thing going on there in the activities. Um, but that's just from, you know, the marketing standpoint. Is from That's how I've looked at it. Uh, what, what was your take on it, Aaron, in terms of the activities between the two lines? Okay, I think hands down Royal has us in the bag in terms of activities. Entertainment we can get to later, but activities Royal has it. First of all, I just want to address the elephant in the room, which is go-karts at sea. I I don't understand this. You're going on a cruise ship. Why do you want to drive a car? I, <laughs> I, I just don't get it. You're driving to the port, you get on a cruise ship, and then you're just, Anyway, makes no sense. But, I mean... Royal has these things you've never heard of. I mean, well, they came up with Florida. They've always had the rock climbing wall. They now have iFly, skydiving, ziplining, North Star, ice skating, roller skating, trapeze, laser tag, ultimate abyss, mini golf, jogging, 270, carousels, water slides. I mean, they just have so much. It's insane. Oh, and the new sky pads, they have a mariner. That's right. Yeah. So it's like I said, it's... It's just everyone outdoing the other one. Uh, Krista, what did you think about the activities going on Norwegian after cruising on Royal? Yeah, um, I agree with Aaron. Royal Royal Caribbean definitely has um, the edge on that one. Um, obviously, she already listed them all. The only thing I um, would add, which Norwegian had, which I don't think it um, makes up for other things, but I really enjoyed the ropes course. I'm actually, and I can't believe I did it because I said I wasn't going to do it, but um, I did go on the ropes course and did the little plank that goes off the side of the ship, and that was really cool, Um, but when you look at everything um, like as a package deal, the ropes course doesn't doesn't make up for everything else, and um, you know, like she said, the flow rider. um, Our ship had water slides. I think were broken a lot of the times um the the eye fly and even i know this isn't really an activity but not having a promenade i was just i was lost um but i didn't i did enjoy the ropes course sure that makes sense you know and you mentioned the water slides and that's an interesting topic because up until a couple years ago royal caribbean really had no water slides at all on their cruise ships and they've been making a lot of inroads with that between new ships and refurbishments but at the end of the day um, if I'm not mistaken, I think all of Norwegian's ships have water slides, right? Whereas still a significant amount of royal ships do not have any. Yeah, the newer ones do. Star didn't. That's one of the older ones. And I, I think, do you recall, does Gem have it? That's a midship. I don't think Gem had water slides either. Okay, so maybe it's closer to Royal Caribbean then in the sense that some of their older ships don't offer the water slides. Um what did uh what did your your son think about it, Kristen, with the pool deck in general? Which did he have a preference between <laughs> one or the other? There's a big difference. Um, I had read ahead of time, so I was prepared for this that the main pool on the getaway is um, very crowded, very small for the amount of passengers. I think it's around four thousand passengers. It might be a little more. I'm not I'm not good with those st- um, statistics. So I had You're already. Friend. Am I awesome? Good. I knew it was in that ballpark. Um, I had already like mentally prepared myself for a crowded main pool. I hadn't prepared myself for the fact that the main pool is adults only. Um, Oh, yeah, there is a pool for the kids, but the, 
And this is kind of getting into overall ship layout, so I might be getting ahead of myself. Um, are we going to talk about that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think okay. I will. So I'm going to save that comment for later. There is a kid's pool, um, smaller. It's not the main pool. So, you know, it was embarkation day, and we packed our suitcase, our suitcases, our bathing suits in our carry-ons, go up to go out, and I'm like, oh, just kidding. And luckily I did find the kid's pool Um there, there is a very nice looking splash pad. Elijah's going to be eight, um, nine in a few months. So it was a little, um, he was a little too old for it, but looking at it, it looked um, really comparable to, is it Splashway Bay or what is it called on Royal yep. Caribbean? <laughs> yeah, yep, Splashway Bay. Um, so he, he wasn't too impressed with the pool deck, but I'm going to, okay. I'm going to leave the details for when we go over to layout. Okay, let's uh, let's wrap up or finish up this uh, kind of tangent, if you will, with uh, entertainment because it kind of leads us in with activities and okay. entertainment. Um, I know that I remember when Royal Caribbean announced, you know, their the Broadway shows, and they started offering Broadway shows on their ships, and then Norwegian countered with their own assortment of Broadway shows. But obviously, there's more than just that when you talk about entertainment on the ships. Um, you know, Aaron, what did you think about the entertainment on Norwegian? Uh, the one thing that I really liked about entertainment on Norwegian, and this is once again with the bigger ships like Breakaway, Getaway, you know, Bliss, um, they have comedians every night and they have a designated space for comedians called like the Headliners, which is a comic place that you go to every night. And I, I kind of really like that, whereas Royal, they have it maybe twice or three times on a seven night and they're always in like the main theater Whereas they're kind of like smaller venues on NCL. And I kind of like that a little bit more. Yeah, so there the is Oasis more variety. Class, the Oasis class does have the dedicated nightclub uh, in there. I'm not. I'm trying to think if it's always a comedian or if there's other acts that they put in there. Sometimes it's rented out. But um, at least they do have that. Uh, your point is taken about the rest of the fleet. But at least on, um, they did add the nightclub for the Oasis class ships um, to offer that. What did you think of... Um, what do you think of like the daytime entertainment activities? You know, like the like on Royal Caribbean, it would have been you know you've got geez, uh, you've got uh, scavenger hunts, the the photo safaris, the uh, napkin folding demonstrations, the trivia. What's your take on kind of the things to do during the day approach? Well, I would say Royal has us in the bag in terms of trivia because they have the best trivia, especially in the schooner bar. And you get to the bigger ships, and we're talking 80s trivia, Star Wars trivia, 90s trivia. I mean, really specific, whereas I've noticed on NCL they have regular trivia. What do so, you think, Kristen, about the entertainment and activities on uh, on Norwegian versus Royal? Um, I think they're close to comparable. I definitely think Royal has more options. Um, but if you're talking like specifically daytime, I found them pretty similar. They had the belly flop contest and like the sexy legs contest. Um, trying to think, I totally just lost my train of thought. Um, oh, this is entertainment. I guess this is in the entertainment category. Um, they also had the ice bar, which I thought was really cool. However, the ice bar was cool. The ice bar was the ice bar itself it was, was really well. Cool. <laughs> it, it was, was cold. Cool. I didn't catch that <laughs> <right> away. <laughs> that went right over this blonde girl's head. Um, <laughs> um, no, it was really cool, but you have to pay to get in, 
and your drink package doesn't work. Now, you I forget the exact amount. I think it was like $20, and it included two drinks. So, I mean, it's not bad, but when you have the drink package, I, I didn't mm-hmm. like that you had to pay for it. So, I liked the ice bar itself, but I didn't like having to pay to get in. Can yeah, I? It was, I'm, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Go, yeah, no, I just wanted to, to jump on what Kristen just said there because that reminded me of something that I think, again, this is an observation. So you guys can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but is it, what's your take on the idea that Norwegian charges more for uh, different activities or entertainment in addition to, you know, like add ons, if you will? And Royal does this too, so please don't get me wrong. I, yeah. uh, all cruise lines do this where, you know, not everything's included in your cruise fare, just not, right? I mean, there's, no matter which cruise line you go on, you know, there's it, you've got a variety of different activities or options that you can elect to purchase and spend money on. You know, whether it's bingo on, you know, on Royal Caribbean, there's bingo, there's the escape room games on some ships that have an extra cost to them. You know, these are things that you elect to do it. If you want to do it, you do it. If not, it's not a big deal. But it feels like Norwegian has more of it. Is that, like, fair to say? Or is that just my Royal Caribbean bias showing? I would say in terms of them charging for the bar, absolutely, because we don't get charged if you want to just buy a drink at, uh, what's that electronic um, one that they have? The Bionic Bar? Bionic Bar, thank you. You know, you buy a drink there or whatever, but the fact that you have to pay kind of a cover charge, which includes two drinks, it's it's a little ticky-tacky. Mm-hmm. Hmm. And there was also... We, unfortunately, we missed it. Um, God, I can't, I can't remember why. I don't remember if someone was sick or, oh, I think it might have been behavior with my son. So he wasn't able to go, unfortunately. But um, there was also a, um, a dinner show. It was like a Cirque du Soleil type um, show. Yep, and, the Spiegel um, Round Tent. What was that? It's called the Spiegel Round Tent where it's acrobats I and they serve called- dinner. Yeah, I thought it was called something else on ours. But yeah, same thing. Like a lot of acrobatics and I think some illusion illusionists and stuff. And then you had you also had dinner. But the fa- we had um, the dining package with our pick two um, perks. And I just, I really feel like I think it should be extra. But I don't feel like we were able to use our dining package unless I'm remembering incorrectly. No, that's true. They don't offer the dining package through the Spiegel right. Round Tent. You have to pay extra for that. Yeah. Yep. So if I get that, it like I agree, it should be extra, but I think it should also be part of the dining package. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Um, let's move on to staterooms and the rooms you had on there. Obviously, you know, we, you've had a, a mixed experience with both uh, fleets. And was there any real takeaways that you can have from uh, between the two rooms in on on Norwegian versus Royal Caribbean? <laughs> <laughs> I have pluses and like pros and cons. I think the most well known con to Norwegian is the size of their balconies. I'm, oh, what? They're, they're small. And state rooms. Yeah, and the state room, but it's like specifically even the balcony. Like, I'm not, a, I'm not sure, but I'm not a tall person by any means. I'm 5'5. Five five. I sat down on the chair and my knees were up against the, the railing. <laughs> uh, the wow. balconies are. At least, and I, I also have read that does vary greatly between their ships. So, but specifically on the getaway, um, they were tiny. So we had, I think, eight rooms booked in all, but we had two connecting rooms booked. Um, myself and my fiance was in one, and um, 
in the other room was my son and my grandmother. So we booked a regular balcony room with an, um, and it had an angled balcony. It was the same price as the rest. It just happened to be the location. So we knew that balcony was going to be a little bit bigger. We, the other room that was connecting into is what they call a family mini suite, not to be confused with Royal Caribbean's version of a junior suite, not even close. It's a, basically it's a balcony room with a larger bathroom. Um, (laughs) yep. So it's very misleading. Um, that balcony was tiny. Ours, um, I didn't find small because I purposely booked the angle balcony knowing that they were smaller. But on the flip side, I will say having an eight-year-old in that family mini suite, and it's specifically the family mini suites on deck 12 because that's where their kids club is, they actually had a full tub. And that was really nice um, for us to be able to, you know, he could take a bath. It also had double sinks in the bathroom. So I thought there was some good stuff to it, but like it was completely, they were lacking storage um, big Uh. time. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Not only the balconies, but the rooms, just a regular balcony room. It was so, like, I don't know how to explain it, convoluted. When I opened up one of the doors, it jammed against the bed. Mm-hmm. And then to get to the uh, the closet, I'd open up the closet, but it was right near the bed, so you barely had enough room. You had to, like, and- shimmy in. Yeah, you got to shimmy in like that. And Royal, what they do is they separate two closets so you both can get changed on different sides of the room. They're just so much bigger. And especially, yeah, the balconies. Remember that little table they gave you? It was like so tiny. I'm like, what am I to put on this? Yeah, it was hands down. Royal has the much better state rooms in terms of just being bigger. One thing I forgot to mention is um, that this, I was told it was across um, the whole fleet. They will not open your balcony dividers. Why they built the ships with with dividers that open, if they're not going to open them, I don't know. How can you have a group cruise without open balcony dividers? (laughs) That was the whole reason I shouldn't say that was the whole reason, but that was part of the reason we booked connecting rooms instead of all going into one Haven room. Ah, Travis. I'm glad, you brought, I'm glad you brought up the Haven because that seems to be like the, you know, I think if there's certain tenants that Norwegian really stands on that people really hang their hat on why they like Norwegian. You know, we mentioned freestyle dining and the Haven is mm-hmm. supposed to be, you know, the bee's knees in terms right. of. Uh, sweet experiences because Royal really doesn't have anything like this. They're they're experimenting. It sounds like with something similar, maybe on Spectrum of the Seas. That's going to Asia, so it's a different market entirely, and remains to be seen if we'll see it in the rest of the fleet. But th- for those who aren't aware, the Haven is essentially not only a special, uh, you know, a, a class of suites they offer on some of their ships, but it's it's essentially a completely separate area of the ship just for suite guests. And if you happen to stay in this kind of category rooms the haven i'm talking about i mean a lot of people just rave about the options because it's, it's kind of like you know a, a ship within a ship in that it feels like a little more personal and and kristen you mentioned the haven there so you have experience with that kind of category as well i wouldn't say i have experience but i you, you know me i love to research and look stuff up and they um norwegian not long after we booked or at some point while we were booked they had changed their upgrade policy program whatever you want to call it where you can bid on an upgrade 
So you can go in and you can put a price and it'll tell you if it's like um, a good price or it's really low, but you can still submit it even if it says it's low. And if they accept it, you get upgraded. And if they don't, you just keep the room you have. And I was so, I was so tempted because one, I'm indecisive Two, if you dangle something in front of me two months ahead of time, <laughs> I, ten, uh, yeah, but I didn't because um, I was concerned that a, like where the location would be because we were sailing with my grandmother who's 85. I didn't want to have a all the way forward facing Haven room, you know, where she had to walk a while for the elevator. Um, there was another reason and I can't remember it right now. Um, but there was another thing that was making me hesitant and I'm like, you know what, let's just keep our two rooms. We have our connecting rooms. We can open up our balcony divider. So, you know, we're not going to have to worry about the small, um, the small balconies we've been reading about. So I was, I was bummed to find out that it's against their policy or some, whatever, whatever spiel they gave me. (laughs) Yeah. Now, The Haven, I think, is actually, like, once you get booked into these suites, it's kind of similar to the star class that you get with Royal in terms of, you know how Royal has the Royal Genie? Well, they have that for suite guests in the Haven. So you get your own designated butler, very similar to that, from what I hear. Plus, they have their own little uh, pool, their own little enclave there. They have a special entrance they have a special bar, specialty dining, and it's all kind of in the front of the ship. So it's isolated from the rest of the passengers and their own sun deck, et cetera, like that. I think Royal spreads it out more where Norwegian is very, they, they keep it separate. Yeah, and I think that's really the key difference right there between Royal Star Class and the Haven on Norwegian because it's that separation. It's that that sent that feeling of having your own private space just for sweet guests that really seems to appeal to a lot of folks and it seems to be even something that a lot of you know royal caribbean fans who enjoy sweets would probably say something they'd like to see uh royal do i'm kind of torn on the idea i'm sure it's wonderful um but i kind of like royal caribbean's uh egalitarian stance on on their ships um again not sure how much of that is you know no i i forward I agree with you. I'm having my like birthday coming up on uh, Anthem, and I didn't want to do it on a Norwegian because I'd be isolated from all my friends and family. You know, other people oh. coming on with me, they couldn't get into the haven. It's pricey. Yeah. So no, this way, that might have been my other reason of not wanting to switch. Now that I think about it, <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, it's it, it's you know, there's it's a double edged sword, but. Uh, certainly, I like I said. I think if there's two things you, people talk about Norwegian doing really, really well, it's the Haven and and freestyle dining. Uh, I also want to touch upon uh, very quickly, Kristen, since you have your son and he's been in both Adventure Ocean and Norwegian's uh, kids programming. What you thought uh, of between the two of them, and certainly what your observations were from his experience. Okay, so I will give you a um, quick background on my son. Um, he he'll be not. In November, so he actually turned eight when we were on the getaway, and he turned seven on Harmony. So he's been spoiled the past few birthdays, and um, he's turning nine on land. So he's going to be in for a shock in a few months. But um, he has um, 
ADHD with ODD, which is oppositional defiance disorder, and he is also borderline on the autism spectrum. He's not diagnosed Asperger's or um, autistic, but he does have um, certain characteristics from, but then he has other ones that aren't, which is why he's he's not actually diagnosed. Um, so he, he can definitely be a handful sometimes. And um, so when we went on Harmony, I, I was nervous because it was our first cruise. I didn't know what to expect. We've had issues at camps or daycares before. And on Royal Caribbean, they, um, you know, they are they work directly or they have the relationship with um, the autism society and they were just really good at, you know, calm, like not even just me, like calming my nerves, offering to give me one of the track phones, but um, saying like, they really, you know, we don't think it's needed. This was like the first night they're like, let's give it a try. And then, you know, if you think you need, if we need one, then the next time we'll use it. Um, He had so much fun at adventure ocean. (laughs) I actually bribed him with $5 to get have him get off in St. Martin with us because he wanted to go to the kids club. <laughs> we do that uh, We do that all the time, too, with our kids. They never want to leave the yes. place. Like, no, don't you want to go to the beach? No. Right? And little did he know that that $5 came out of his own spending money, but that's okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, reverse psychology. But, uh, you know, he had a blast. Like the last um, C day, we were getting ready to go to the pool. He's like, I want to go to the kids club. I said, okay, you want to go to the pool? I'll go to the pool tomorrow. I'm like, um, we're getting off tomorrow. <laughs> so I'm like, you need to make a choice. And he chose the kids club, not the pool. Which was surprising and pretty awesome. Because that's when I went and got my big pineapple drink. And I sat down next to the pool and didn't have to, you know, have constant eyes. Um, Norwegian, they, they were good. Um, I don't, I don't know if their staff has maybe some of the same certifications that Royal Caribbean has, um, or if it was just, you know, obviously staff can differ um, greatly from ship to ship. Um, he only went two days after the second day of getting calls and having issues. Um, we just stopped going. Interesting. I mean, I mean it's, uh, you know, obviously every cruise line kind of has its own spin on it and they do it in a different way. But I'm glad. Thank you for sharing that because I think that'll be helpful for a lot of folks also to, you know, kind of see the ins and outs between, um, you know, the kids programming and what, what they can offer right. there. So I just want to point out, though, that I don't want to sound like I'm dissing their kids club like, my experience is because of um, my son's particular needs. So to say to some, now my other friend that went with us, her daughter's the same age, but she's very shy. She didn't want to go. But I think, and I hate to use the word mainstream, but, you know, some kids could possibly absolutely love that kids club. It's just, it wasn't for my son. It wasn't the right structure. He really needs structure and he also needs, um, some people that are just willing to maybe give, you know, a few extra minutes with him to help redirect him. And then he doesn't have, you know, the issues that he has with certain in certain environments, we'll say. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And, you know, I think also part of it maybe just be, you know, like like I mentioned earlier about traditional dining and, you know, on Royal Caribbean, that's kind of what I, I, I started with. And then you move on to some other things and you try other options. You're kind of, you know, maybe it's, it's harder to do that. I think also maybe part of that is, you know, you get maybe your son got used to also what Royal Caribbean has to offer. And there's a bit of that 
uh, component when you kind of compare and contrast and you see that they do things differently. And if your kid is anything like my kids, they never like any change. Like they want it exactly the same all the time to be able to anticipate everything that's going to happen. That is um, true. That is true. And we also, we were on Harmony. It was the first um, full full week Caribbean sailing. Not that that really makes a difference, but like the kids club, I took a peek at the kids club when we were just on adventure a few months ago. Cause we didn't bring him with us. And I mean, Harmony's adventure ocean is just, you know, it, it's huge. It's like an entire school, you know? Yeah. So I think that that could have also potentially been a factor. Cool. So in, in wrapping this up here, I want to talk about, I think what really, I'm going to go to each one of you. What do you like most about Norwegian? And what do you like most about like Royal Caribbean? What do you think they do the best, or what do you like most about it? What you know? What do you think is the maybe two or three things you know that really stand out to you from each cruise line? Kind of a summer summarization of everything we've kind of talked about. And uh, Aaron, I'll start with you. Okay, uh, the first thing that I like about Norwegian is uh, the way their ships look and the colorful things that they use themes throughout their ships. I love how the bow is uh, decorated with uh, different pictures, so it really stands out. And I like how they use a lot of colors in their staterooms. So, so it's it's more of a, a colorful ship where Royal tends to be a little bit more uh, contemporary. I guess a word would be, but they're, they're changing that. Uh, trying I to hate, say... Just, just for the record, I really hate the whole design of Norwegian. <laughs> that's a, that's like okay. The, Some people like it. I mean, they have Guy Harvey and Peter Max yeah. and... It's way yeah. too gaudy for my taste, but that's just me. <laughs> no, I, I, I leave. I leave. It. I leave the gaudiness to Carnival. Um, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> I think the entertainment, hands down, in terms of Broadway shows, I love Royal Caribbean. They have, didn't they have Cats a while ago? But they have We Will Rock You and Hairspray, and I don't think Norwegian has that. I think the one thing I just want to say, I think that Norwegian and Royal are. Very similar. I think if you would take two lines who are competing with each other and who are right there, it would be those two lines. I like how both of them are very neat and clean. Uh, the one thing I will say out is uh, Royal has a much better layout. I was highly disappointed with Norwegian, the way the layout is, especially the pool that Kristen was talking about. You can't get anywhere. It's so small. And there are actual smokestacks in your way to go to the other parts of the ship on the on the pool deck. It's ridiculous. And the fact that Royal has all those indoor pools and Norwegian just doesn't doesn't have that. Um, also Norwegian's more expensive in terms of certain things. Royal has eighteen percent gratuity in terms of spa and drink packages. Norwegian has twenty percent markup. And also you get better with uh, crown and anchor points. It's pretty comparable between the two, but with uh, Norwegian, you don't get double points for mini suites that you do with Royal. So there's there's little things like that, and I don't like their current thing, two at sea or three at sea. They try to get you into this price range, and you can never figure out what the true price of yes. cruises. And but that's that's my take. But overall, I think the the restaurants are very comparable. I think the the suites they do really well. I think Norwegian has the uh, spas down a little bit better. They have really really nice spas, and then uh, I think that's about it. I can't talk about the kids club 
because my kid's 18. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no worries. Kristen, what are your what are your things that you like the most about Norwegian um, and Royal? Yeah, it, overall, um, fairly similar to Erin, although I actually like Royal's decor better. I was actually surprised when she said she likes Norwegian. I was chuckling. Um, and when you had made the comment about the hull art, like, I thought it was cool and different. I could take it or leave it. I just think there's something about a royal a royal ship that just looks so so pretty. I don't know. Like I'm gonna and this is this comment has nothing to do with I with just meant the, the paint, not the actual <laughs> No, no, I know, I know. But even but even like just the inside, I just I don't know. I I I preferred um Royal Caribbean, but it's kind of funny because um the the one we won't name next week that I'm going on is their newest ship, and someone shared a picture, and they're like, "Oh, isn't she so pretty?" And I was like, "Ew, like that." <laughs> no, Royal's pretty. So sorry, a little digress, but it was just I just there's just something about Royal Caribbean, and like she was saying with the layout, um, I just I never felt I all week I felt that there was just something missing, and I couldn't put my finger on it. Um, I was. Um, I don't know if you would say warned, but I was um, told ahead of time about in the underwhelming feeling when you walk on board. So, like, when you walk on board um, Royal Caribbean, anything that has a promenade, so I guess Voyager and above, you walk onto the promenade and you have that giddy feeling like, yay, I'm on a cruise. Yeah. Um, the getaway, we walked into a stairwell. So it was just, but I knew that. So it's not like, I, I'm not saying I was upset by that. It was just kind of a different feeling. Um like she was saying about the the pool layout and the smokestacks, but I need to talk about this kid's pool real quick that I mentioned earlier. It is low. First of all, it's small, and it has this weird divider. Um, so it's, it has like two-thirds and one-third, but then they can swim on the side. But it wasn't any d- separate depth or anything, so I have no idea what it was there for except for the kids to jump off of and pretend- potentially hurt themselves. Um, so I-, I don't know what the purpose of that was for. But my biggest issue was I'm a parent that actually watches their child while they're in the pool. I know that not all parents do that. Um, the kids' pool was sandwiched in between where the two slides end and like come out. So there's nowhere for the parents to sit. Hmm. Yep. It's just, it's awkward and weird. And it was also freezing because it was always in the shade because of where it was. Um, and I was constantly telling Elijah, not don't jump off this, you know, cause it, it was just, it was just a really, really weird, weird layout. Um, like I said, I missed the promenade. It was just, I, I felt that I couldn't find like, I don't want to say the center of the ship or the hub, but the centrum just was, or the atrium wasn't doing it for me. Also, the casino is open to the atrium. So there's just smoke. Smoke everywhere. Everywhere. Like we're walking to dinner on formal night with my son and we had to walk through a cloud of smoke there. You couldn't avoid it. Um, I, I didn't like that. Let me see. I'm look. I'm going over my notes cause I know I'll leave something out. Um, I preferred their dining, though, I will say, slightly above Royal Caribbean, um, simply for the, like, oh, she hands killed it, but, like, for their complimentary, their overall complimentary options and the more relaxed dress code. Um, what else? What else? 
Oh, one thing I forgot to mention earlier, too, is um, they recently opened a new private island in Belize called Harvest Cay, which is um, one of the main reasons we booked that sailing opposed to a few others for that week. Um, it was gorgeous. Don't get me wrong. We booked a cabana. The island's amazing. Um, your drink package doesn't work. You you buy a drink That's package. You're huh. at their private island. You're buying drinks that day. Wow. Wow. And food. And food. Um, wow. It's. Uh, yeah. It's... I Luckily, I knew about that ahead of time because, like I said, I do research. I'm looking at, you know, different posts or following different groups. But I overheard a lot of people on the ship that didn't do that research and they were not happy because most people you hear private island you assume that you use your drink package um so research 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 not don't go into things just assuming um also with norwegian even though i haven't stayed in a suite on either um i want to and i'm booked in something similar next week um but the Haven area, I don't like how it's fully, fully secluded, but I really think um, Royal should have more than just some reserved lounge chairs at the pool. I think if they added a suites pool, I would be much more inclined to spend that money. Because to me, if you're in everyone's needs and wants are different. So there's other people that don't care about a pool. But for me personally, if I was to spend that money, I would want a pool that we could easily use and not have to fight for chairs and not have to be swimming with a thousand other people or whatever. I just, I think that's one thing that um, they can improve the star class on. Don't know where they would put it. So I don't know. I'm not an engineer, but I think I, so when they talk about the um, what's the name of it, but their new one for the Asian market that they're kind of going that route. um, Right. Me personally, I would book it to just to check it out. There you go. All right, yeah. good. Ladies, I really appreciate you uh, sharing all this. There's a lot of good stuff here comparing contrasting both lines. And I think, Aaron, I'm just, I'll just summarize it with something, something you said earlier, which is that I mean, at the end of the day, a lot of these mass market cruise lines are very similar. They're more similar than they are different. Um, yes. And it's just those little things here and there that we pick up on as cruisers. We notice things, and it comes down a lot to, to personal preference, I think, quite frankly. And also knowing in the, deep down in your heart that Royal Caribbean is the best. So, uh, anyway, ladies, thank you for joining us here on the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast and sharing your thoughts. You're welcome. Thank you. Yep. Thank you so much, Matt. Let's answer some of your Royal Caribbean questions. You can always send me your emails by sending them to Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Our first email is from Brian Cardi writes... Matt, listening to episode 256, I prefer a cruise fare discount over onboard credit if it is the cruise line offering the onboard credit for the simple reason that if you get a discounted fare, you also save money because you don't get taxed on the amount of money that you're saving. To receive onboard credit from the cruise line, you're paying that amount to, to the cruise line and being taxed on it before you can use it. So for example, a $100 onboard credit is really only worth $95 if the tax rate is at 5%. There you go, Brian. Math at work over there. I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. I think that uh, I would generally agree that I think these days I like the cruise fare better. I used to be really big on the onboard credit. It is nice having a lot. You know, when you I've had cruises where I've had like, you know, hundreds of dollars of onboard credit. And you really do feel like Mr. Monopoly, man, 
when you're kind of going in there. It's like, yeah, sure, get whatever you want, kids. But at the same time, you know, having a cheaper cruise fare, just nobody ever complains about that either. So got to go with that. Um, we have another email. It is from Ron Ladowski. He writes, hi, Matt. Just listen to episode 256 in the accompanying listener emails. And I have one long comment and one question. One of the listener emails brought up the age-old question, are travel agents really necessary? To further explain where I'm coming from, when I worked full-time before I became happily retired, I traveled a lot for work. I would make my own airline and hotel reservations on a, sh- on a weekly basis. I certainly did not need a travel agent to do what I've been doing for the last 30 years. Then came last year's Harmony of the Seas group cruise, and I decided to give MEI Travel, shameless plug, a try. I quickly and happily found that I had made the right decision. Cruising tra- Cruise traveling could not be... Con- <laughs> could now not be easier. To further solidify my belief that travel agents are a must, I have an upcoming cruise on Alert of the Seas. It's a seven-night seven western, seven western Caribbean cruise leaving uh, in September in a grand sweep. Between, between the time that I made my reservation and the cruise departure, an unexpected miracle occurred. I was informed that I was going to become a grandpa for the fourth time, and my new grandson expected date of arrival was the, week, the first week in October. A cruise in late September and a grandchild on the way in early October. That, my friend, is cutting a little too close for comfort. Should I cancel the cruise or move it up a few weeks? One call to MEI Travel solved the problem. Within a few hours, I was notified that I was now booked on the Allure of the Seas departing two weeks earlier in September 9th, 2018. Therefore, same itinerary, but, big butt, I like big butts on a cannot lie, MEI Travel now had me assigned, these are all his words, by the way, MEI Travel now had me assigned to an owner's suite at a savings of $2,397, 180 more square feet, a balcony's twice as big, a dining room table, and a tub with an adjoining shower. I am now a loyal Royal Caribbean blog, top-tier insider, and MEI travel customer for life. Now for the question. During listener emails, for pl- you play a catchy Caribbean song in the background. What is the name? It would be the perfect addition to my iPhone as a call and message alert. I'll now be seeing uh, you again on Anthem of the Seas Group Cruise in July 2019. Shameless plug. Thank you, Matt, and thank you, MEI Travel. Wow, Ron. I'm so glad to hear that. Thank you for supporting our sponsor. It really means a lot to have you know your support there. Uh, just incredible, really. Actually, the music we use behind the emails is just a jingle. It's uh, that I think I got on some website that provides a lot of stock audio to use because I need a royalty-free song in order to use it. It's called Caribbean Dream, and I can post a link to it in our show notes. You can buy it. It's... Uh, Actually, according to this, it's $49, so that's, a, that's a, quite an expensive ringtone for you, sir. Uh, but send me an email, Ron, matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Maybe I can hook you up there. Next is an email from John Carrier, a lifetime Royal Caribbean cruiser. I've been listening to your latest blogs and have not heard about trip insurance. I was on a Royal Caribbean cruise in 2007 in Progresso. I took an excursion to play golf through the cruise line. I became seriously ill at the first hole. The cruise director made the trip with us since it would be hours until the transportation would return. He called me a cab. I did not have enough money for the cab, so he paid the fare later to be reimbursed by my wife. I arrived at the ship and reported to the infirmary. I was diagnosed with pancreatitis and disembarked. Side note. They had to send a vehicle to the end of the dock to jump off the ambulance. My son disembarked with me, and my family continued on. The ship's captain allowed my wife to travel to make two phone calls uh, a day at no charge. Long story short, the insurance paid $21,000 hospital bill and a $25,000 air ambulance back to Houston. Between the trip insurance and the great staff on the ship, the story ended well. Now, 11 years later, I picked up sailings again. September 2nd from Galveston uh, on Liberty of the Seas, not stopping in Progresso. Well, uh, John, first of all, I'm so glad to hear that your, your story ended well. You know, we talk about travel insurance a little bit here and there, usually in these listener question segments. Um, you know, listener travel insurance, I should say, is is a, there isn't an answer for everybody. And I say that 
as someone who used to never get travel insurance, and now I always get travel insurance, I actually started using a annual travel insurance plan because I cruise often enough that it makes more sense for me to go that route rather than buying individual travel insurance coverage uh, for each cruise I take. And if you're wondering if that makes an annual plan makes sense for you, if you take about four or five cruises a year, it pretty much does. And don't forget, travel insurance also covers other modes of travel. You know, if you're going on like a land vacation, if that's still a thing, and um, other, you know, means of traveling, you know, airplane rides, whatnot. Anyway, um, you know, that made sense. I What it really boils down to is your risk tolerance, you know? How much risk tolerance do you have and what are you willing to gamble, essentially? Because all insurance is the same. If you got it and you need it, man, is it nice to have, but it costs you money and a lot of times you're paying for nothing, right? Because most times, whether it's your home insurance, your auto insurance, your travel insurance, 99% of the time, you never need it. You don't make claims on it. It's just that it's that backup. It's that safety net of having it. And you really got to figure out, well, what if that 1% does creep up, right? Is it worthwhile to have the travel insurance? And in those kind of scenarios, you know, it's really up to the individual person to decide what their risk tolerance is. When I was younger, and certainly before we had kids, I think it really, you know, didn't matter much. And our our moment of truth that we kind of changed our mind was we were on a sailing, which is me and my wife, actually. And my wife was having uh, accelerated heartbeat, and she didn't know what was going on. We literally had a moment on the cruise where we didn't have travel insurance. So we literally had a moment where we thought... We want to pay a lot of money and make sure my wife doesn't, like, I don't know, you know, get seriously ill or worse, or do we want to save some money and roll the dice? Now, we were really lucky. Went down to the infirmary, and the nurse kind of talked us out, not talked us out of it, but kind of made us feel better about the situation, and certainly we knew that, you know, they have our back if we needed anything. So we decided to give it some time, and overnight, she turned out to be fine, no big deal. But from that moment on, I decided for myself, I don't want to ever have to decide, you know... Is it worth it to pay a couple thousand dollars to my family not to, you know, be sick or roll the dice and let them suffer a little bit more in order to save money? That's not a gamble I'm willing to do again. Thus, I pay for the travel insurance. And look, peace of mind is worth something to some people. But there are other people, you know, if your risk factors are low, you know, if you're in pretty good health, if you generally take good care of yourself, you know, there's, you know, there's plenty of people who cruise without it. I'm certainly, I used to be one of them. And, you know, like I said, 99% of the time, you'll probably be perfectly fine. It's just when you need it, boy, is it nice to have. And you're absolutely right, uh, John. Not only, you know, is it important to have it necessarily, but also, you know, it's what it covers and being able to cover. There's different gamuts of travel insurance. Some are more like, you know, just cover doctor visits and, you know, prescription drugs. Some are travel delays. Some offer, you know, the air ambulances and all the crazy stuff that comes with that that you could potentially run into. Again, it depends on what your budget is and and a variety of other factors. But I'm glad you brought it up, John, because it is a really important uh, topic and, it's again. I always tell people it's not something I can decide for you. I would never sit here and tell everybody you should get travel insurance, or I would sit here and say nobody should get travel insurance. I, I don't think it's really to that point. I think it's really a personal choice you have to make, and it really boils down to what you're willing to uh, to, to risk in that regard. And our last email this week is from Brian Grantham, who writes, Matt, I enjoyed your podcast on your Cuba cruise. I've been to Havana twice on Royal Caribbean and going on my first Royal Caribbean Cuba immersion cruise in September. This cruise goes to all three major Cuban ports, Havana, San Fuegos, and Santiago. I thought you may want to amend your comments about going to Cuba and walking around on your own or doing a private tour. While that can be legal, people need to know about the general license requirements. Currently, the U.S. does not allow for people to travel to Cuba for just leisure, and you are required to claim a general license for your trip. The Royal Caribbean tours qualify under the group people-to-people license. License. If you're touring on your own, your tour, or your self-guided travel, must meet one of the general licenses, with the common being support for the Cuban people. Also, I would like to write a review or talk to you about the Cuban immersion cruise and my experience when I get back. Awesome. 
Well, Brian, thank you for the email. You can always uh, send me an email, another email, dude, and we'll hook up when uh, you get back. We can record a podcast about that because I'd love to hear. I'm sure a lot of people would love to hear about that kind of a Cuban cruise. Now, what I, let me explain what I meant by that, Brian. Um, Brian is 100% right what he's saying, that in order for Americans to visit Cuba, your visit has to inc- cover at least one type of criteria, and there's a couple different options there, and Royal Caribbean Tours always qualify as one of them. What I was basically saying, Brian, I think if I can remember back to what I was saying in that episode, is that, yes, legally obliged, but A, no one really checks it, B, the qualification of, quote, supporting the Cuban people, end quote, is so vague that... There's no way you can, even if someone were to ask you what you're doing, you could say, well, I went there and I, I had lunch because I wanted to support the Cuban people and, and give them money, you know, through lunch and, you know, support the, lo- stimulate the local economy. Like, how is that? You can't argue that against that. So my point is, yes, if you want to do a tour, it makes it a whole lot easier because they definitely qualify for that. And certainly through Royal Caribbean, they offer tours that qualify for, this is for the U.S. Customs. I and mean, Royal Caribbean doesn't care what you do. Cuba certainly doesn't care what you do. It's just the custom, it's U.S. State Department. And it's not like they ask you. I was actually expecting, quite frankly, when I got back from Cuba in U.S., they were going to ask, okay, which of these did you qualify for, sir? And not, there was none of that. Um, so I kind of feel like it's one of those things. It's, it's like getting a, a tax um, audit. You know, you don't necessarily need to defend yourself at the time, but if you have an audit or someone calls someone from the State Department and asks, you have to have a, a valid reason. So, again, you need to be able to do something. But, again, in this situation, that... <laughs> the the people the people license uh, or the the support the cut for the Cuban people is so vague. I just don't know how you could possibly do anything in Cuba on your own and that not qualify. Like me taking a cab and giving the guy a tip. I'm supporting the Cuban people. I'm giving the guy a tip. I was that not supporting that. You know. So you're right. I mean, if you want to be legal from a legal standpoint, Brian's got a point to be made. I'm not going to discount that. I'm just saying I was. I, this is more of a observation tangent, if you will, um, that it just, it's so vague that quite frankly, I don't know that you necessarily need to go into it saying, oh gosh, I need to have a tour through Royal Caribbean where I can't do anything in Cuba in order to satisfy these rules. And it's not really that case. It's a lot more loosey goosey than I was expecting, quite frankly. So there you go. But again, this is just my take on it. Don't ever use anything I say here for any legal advice because I definitely not have any legal Awesome. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, everybody, for the emails this week. Uh, of course, if you want to send me your emails about anything Royal Caribbean related, you can do so by sending an email to Matt, M-A-T-T, at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. Matt at RoyalCaribbeanBlog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt Hotchberg, and we'll talk again soon.